Hi, you are listening to Mediation Station, and this is your host, Greg Fenton. Each week we explore topics and ideas related to the experience of people with conflict and look to promote the profession of conflict resolvers. We are available to connect with at greggf at primus.ca and 647-227-4734. Visit us at our Facebook page to like us and Facebook group page to become a member. Visit YouTube to see channels for both CHHA 1610 AM and Greg Fenton. Listen to podcasts of past radio shows at both SoundCloud.com and at iTunes Podcasts by searching under Mediation Station in the Arts section. Follow us on our Twitter account. It's at Fenton Mediation. Our topic tonight is called A Hidden Canadian Reality, Female Genital Mutilation, with our visitor, Mikael Guillen. So uh, I want to welcome Mikael. How are you? I'm good. How about yourself? I'm okay. You know, we're separated by glass. I wish I could be in there with you. Thank you. Me too. Thank you very much. Unfortunately, though, we wouldn't be on air. That's right. Just some kind of reality here. Just want to also put out there that uh, somebody else is in the room. It's the radio elf. She's here. Yes, I'm back. You're back. I just pop up whenever you least expect it. It, it, It's like a random thing with you. It is. It used to be a routine. I know, but then I got busy and uh, doing lots of things, not in no small part because you helped me out meeting people and getting connected and making things happen. And you, you're the one that actually makes them happen. Well, but you help. Okay. Okay. So you want to keep me on so my thank edge you. here. I so appreciate thank it. You. Thank you very much. So tonight we're going to have a uh, conversation called A Hidden Canadian Reality, Female Genital Mutilation with Mikkel. How about, uh, you know, you and I first met through a mutual person, a friend, Gerald. We'll put a shout-out for him. Yes, that's right. Casey's listening. Um, We thought it'd be a great connection for us. Why do you think Gerald thought that? What's your point of view? I met uh, Gerald in in a party. Uh, I was, uh, we were both sober, and... um, Was that at the beginning of the party? It was in the beginning of the party. I was um, uh, very... um, impressed by his looks he looks uh it reminded me of this scottish um comedian connolly i can't remember his name the irish guy the, uh, no he's scottish oh he's scott that's right he, scottish he yeah. just passed away a few a few years ago but billy? uh billy billy connolly that's that's a guy just a few years older and he was wearing a suit and double tie which i found that a little bit unusual by uh, toronto standards or by my toronto and um yeah so we uh I, he, we, we started talking and then he told me that um, he was working at the, uh, the film industry and he found out that I was a director and we became fast friends. Right, yeah, absolutely. He's, he's got a very rich background too, as you obviously have. Which, How about you share some insight for us with regard to your background? Well, my background is um, it's a little bit of a, had a gypsy life in many ways. Now that G- the word gypsy is not very uh, politically correct, but I don't ru- I don't play by those rules, uh, which basically is <coughs> I uh, I grew up displaced based on uh, my family's background. I come from a, a French Jewish mother and a Basque father. I traveled the world. I've been in so many countries. I'm literally from nowhere, which Canada fits right in uh, since 1997 that I've been here on and off. 
but that's my background is that one one side of the background mm -hmm. uh, and uh, <coughs> I study art and film and culture I've always been in, uh, interested in, in films about women uh, I love women issues and women uh, subjects uh, and um, so do you have any sense of why that is no, probably. Um, I'm sure that some psychologists will, will have a plethora of things to say. You, you want to lie down here and just uh, share with us now? Sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah basically. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe I, um, I, never, um, I never got along really well with my mother, I guess. I don't know. I, there's, there could be many things. Okay. I started off when I was 18. I was in Paris, and I wanted to be a fashion photographer. I wanted to photographs wi photograph women. Basically, and I love beauty and, and how beautiful clothes clothes are. And Paris is the only place in the world that can give you that. I never end up shooting uh, professionally. Uh, and then I study art, and then films, and then I became a translator. Uh, and then I moved to uh, Latin America for quite some years. And then uh, then one day I, I had an offer in Japan for fashion fashion photography and um, at that time I was dating a woman and she wanted to come to Canada and we basically flipped the coin and Canada won and uh, the, we came here uh, she got pregnant and then I decided to stay and be uh, responsible for my for my kid so that's the story that's that's the story you're telling us anyways that's right exactly <laughs> very smart yes <laughs> Well, that's the only one that I know. <laughs> well, we're not in judgment here anyway. <laughs> Thank you. It's about sh sharing and storytelling. Right. Though not making up stories, per se. Um, in tr so in terms of your current practice as a professional, how yes. would you identify that? Well, I come from the avant-garde. I, I create avant-garde films, which are uh, very specific films for galleries and museums. And uh, I'm trying to jump into narrative films and having a production and be a, a so-called director for the first time and, um, and being able to, uh, to bring this dramatic story to the screen. So there's a s similarity with the radio here. It's about storytelling in some way. So right, but in my case, it's driven by yeah, because in, in your show is about drama, and I am, I am creating drama by hearing the sounds of a little girl being mutilated. Right, and we're going to go into the depths of that and what that entails. So how do you see some of your own lived experiences as contributing to how you do your work? Well, it's, it's basically the, the real mystery of creation, which to me, creation is completely asexual. And it has to do with, uh, uh, with your vision as a human being and how humanity plays a, a, a huge role in your inspiration. Uh, I just finished a film about atonality and how mu atonal music is related to male sexuality. And if that's not avant-garde, I don't know what it is. Uh, and then the next one, the next film that I, I'm going to do once I sign the contract for the feature, it relates to how children commit suicide before 15 years old. So there's a, there's a sense of sadness in all these subjects. There's a sense of profound melancholia, which I personally adore. I adore to be sad. I understand the power of sadness. I believe in sadness as a way of relating to true love and true um, human, human connection. I think sadness has a lot of love uh, installed in within that sadness, which inspires me 
um, in ways that I can't even describe by my own voice. Well, I mean, it's for what I'm understanding is that there's a lot of, quote, the truth of people's lived experiences where they're really at in going through their emotions in those moments. Right. And is that something that, you know, people experience in the depths, maybe more than the euphoria, the, the heights? Well, the thing to me, to me, I don't, uh, lately in North America and around the world, there's been a, a, a whole industry of people thinking that they can be, they can search for happiness and uh, that we need to be happy. And uh, being sad and being melancholy and being blue is bad. Yeah. And that you should always fight. And I think, no, we should embrace sadness. We should embrace, uh, not, not, not because it's, I'm trying to be over-sentimental or I'm trying to be over-romantic, but I believe that in order for you to understand happiness, you need to be sad. You need to understand the power of sadness and melancholia, which, like I said, I, couldn't, I could be repeating this for forever, which is uh, it's part of human life. It, sad emotions and, and melancholia and depression well not depression but being blue about things and, and questioning has a philosophical weight and how do people generally you know go through those moments of sadness usually they they, they um, sadly they they um, they go through drugs they go through alcohol they go through uh, through uh, denying denying those feelings, not being aware of their feelings, because they're not most people are not aware of their conscious levels, uh, because they're not awake, they're not awake, they're not aware, and and in order for you to be aware, it, re it requires a lot of work uh, out of your own consciousness, and if you're not willing to go through that to know yourself and know who you are, um, that's why a lot of people. I'm sure that you have already heard this before, but. There is a lot of Buddhist consciousness that say that we are not really awake, right? That's why we we have these lives with no meaning. You know, uh, my partner and I, Eva, we were talking lately. I've been talking a lot about the meaning of people's lives, and why why do we have to have meaning, and why it's important to have meaning. Oh, you mean isn't it the norm that people put us in boxes? We put labels on each other. Absolutely. It makes it. Who's gonna make it simple for? Us or the other person? No, I think people who put boxes are pr basically be because most people are afraid. Fear is is a huge problem, right? So yeah. th they're afraid of of being um, um, confronted with 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 the the, the, the realities, the, the reality, and their own reality in relation to that. In yeah. relation to themselves and to whatever the, it's in front of them. Which a lot of times is identified through other people's lens, not necessarily our own lens. That's right. I think the power is when people can self-determine and self, you know, be self-aware, self-determine and self-identify whatever it is their reality is rather than leaving it with someone else's having that ownership that's imposed on us. That is correct. But that's why I was talking about consciousness and, and having to have uh, work done on your own consciousness to be aware of of the meaning of suffering, which is the essence of Buddhism, right? Yeah, I mean, we talk here on this program in different ways at different times on self-awareness. Right. And I think strongly that we are, when people can be get best connected to self, then they can really appreciate other or the other person, their lived experiences. It's, you know, we have empathy. Right. I think for us in our professional world, as mediators and conflict resolution practitioners, I think it's fundamental that we have a sense of connection, being able to connect with other. And I think through a lens and a lived experience of feeling as empathic people. Right. So 
you want to? Well, I was just thinking, too, that um, there's a lot of uh, hostility and anger free-floating in our society now. And a lot of times that kind of hostility and anger is, is covering up either sadness or fear. And so when people aren't in touch with their sadness and their sorrow and their heartbreak, it, it gets expressed as anger. Or if they're not in touch with their fears, it gets expressed as anger. So when you're more, in t and I agree with you wholeheartedly, when you're not in touch with those other parts of ourselves that make us fully human, and you're just um, falsely positive all the time, or are afraid to be positive even, to be negative even in, in our society, there's a big taboo now for, for really talking real and getting in touch with that. So um, it's, it's refreshing to, to have a sense of, yes, that there's an allowance for being real and having all the emotions, uh, the whole spectrum, or the whole circle, whatever you want to call it, um, to be acknowledged and, and to sit in, in whatever is real. That's right. And, and then having, I, I'm not sure how long it's been uh, in society, but lately for the past, uh, I don't know, 10 years, everybody's talking about emotional intelligence and how important it is, especially for men, to be open, to be, uh, to be emotionally aware and to talk about their feelings mm -hmm. and to talk about things that are important as a way of breaking down your own uh, idea of what a, in between brackets, what a man should be, mm -hmm. right? Well, I'm teaching a course at the uh, University of Toronto, and part of the course content is inclusive of uh, emotional intelligence, Daniel Goleman. Um, he wrote that book on called Emotional Intelligence, and it's on negotiating. So what do you see your role or your purpose with regard to the, you know, the work you do as it connects to people's lived experiences? Well, um, my... Um my uh, one of the aims uh, as an artist is to be able to uh, to make uh, a piece of work that will be able to touch people and to be able to make them feel first and then think and not backwards. That is the ultimate goal for me. Uh, is is feelings are first and then the intellectual because intellectuality has has um, a limitation that knowledge has not been able to. Uh, to enter the uh, the hearts, basically, because it's too it's too um, unsentimental, in my opinion. Well, you know how many people though like to flow through the rational world, where right. quote that's the intellectual right. or academic, and then get some kind of definition and then define what feelings are. Right. Whereas in a more natural state, when we walk through our moments of life, right. we are feeling those moments. That's right. And then we try to interpret them in some way using our brain cells. Right. No, and, and then there's this conception that maybe uh, um, being rational uh, and understanding feelings, there's a sense of weakness mm -hmm. about it, which I, can, I personally can't stand because I think feelings are equally important as thoughts. And thoughts can be um, um, very extremely powerful in terms of creating your own reality through the subconscious. But at the same time, I also believe that how you feel impact the result of what you're aiming for to create. So it's a one, it's a, it's a one street with two ways, which is the intellectual, meaning the reasoning, and then the feeling. That's why, you know, you don't have to go 
<coughs> watch uh, uh, Anthony Robbins, Tony Robbins, and all these people that will tell you in order for you to create your own subconscious levels, you have to feel that you already have the money or that you already have the wealth. Uh, but the feelings are very important as well as the thoughts of creating that me driving a Lamborghini, right? Uh, not that I would I'd like. I'd like to ask you how you feel driving one of those. But well, I've only seen it in films. But <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, even if I have the money, I wouldn't aim for that uh, that type of car. Right. So why do you want to have this conversation on female genital mutilation? Because for me, the most important thing is to create a, a, a work of art, a work of uh, an elegy. To me, it's very important. So, like I said uh, before, uh, the sadness is very important, and the art, uh, the the story. I'm not a storyteller per se, but the storyline is a story about how a tradition can travel outside of Africa, and how our moral stance, uh, uh, in this case as as Africans, uh, can actually allow a, 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 a practice that is done by women and for women, but in the end. The ultimate so-called um, prize receiver will be the man. Uh, is the fact that we are uh, able to see that going from one continent to another, and being in, in a in a safe country, in a very futuristic country, in my opinion, like uh, like Canada is. To me, Canada represents. I remember when I came to Canada for the first time. I always thought about a sci-fi country where all these all these cultures will come and 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 be able to uh, to be together the idealistic world exactly utopia the utopia the blade runner uh, yeah. you know that everybody will be here and uh, and apparently based on on facts and and projections we're not really that far away but uh but in the case of 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 the story is how that tradition that uh is a tribal tradition not an islamic tradition it's very important to, to say that because a lot of people think that the female gender mutilation is an Islamic practice and that couldn't be further from the truth. Um, uh, it's happening and how it's happening in Canada and, and why it's happening in Canada. And But the way that the same way that it's happening in Canada is happening in Minnesota, in Sweden, uh, everywhere that there are um, African expats. So why, you know, so in some way, how can you put in towards what female genital mutilation is? Well, basically, it's um, based on my research. is based on this idea that women have to um, be pure, and especially uh, that there's a link in between uh, sexual um, being completely that a woman cannot feel pleasure until she's married, because the, the mutilation is one level of there are many there are many types of of mutilations and many ranges. The other part that uh, it's also very controversial is the sewing of the vagina directly. So clarify then, yeah. what is mutilated? Well, we what are we dealing with? We're dealing with, there are several types, but uh, we're dealing with the first the first layer of the, of the head of the clitoris, the middle, and then the everything. That's one, the three types of cutting. So there's different degrees or depths of what you might call this definition of the female genital mutilation. That's right. So they cut that and then they sew them. So what's the determinant on which degree or depth that one goes to? Well, it's, it's basically on, on, on tribal beliefs. 
on, and, and I'm, I'm assuming that based on my research that the closer the cut is to the actual person the more moralistic the more the moral of a, of a moral weight has or pure or purity of all these ideas that are socially constructed so who who's this person being purified purified for self or other for in this case the man the man because most girls 150 million girls still happen uh, in Africa are cut around in between seven seven years old and ten and it's a practice that's still ongoing it's still in ongoing. the countries of origin correct and then when people migrate from those countries yes. around the world right. and they settle yes. they take with them and carry and practice these practices that is correct yes and sometimes these practices so in this case how does the broader mainstream community when they hear these three words female right. genital mutilation how do they react or respond to that well usually in my in my several conversations that i had they usually um, talk about the fact that it never happens here it's always happening in africa mm -hmm. over there over there far away yeah in the other world and uh, the other thing is that we only know about these events when things go wrong Mm -hmm. Which means that when a girl is, is purely mutilated and he goes he goes into a major debleeding uh, and he uh, goes he, for some reason somehow he gets into the news, right? Um, a year a year and a half ago there was even a campaign from from this girl who was mutilated when she was seven in Ethiopia and the Toronto Star made a made a um, a campaign to get, to raise funds so she could be re reconstructed in the states. So they gathered around seven thousand dollars, and she flew down, and she was able to be reconstructed. But a few years ago, there was a, a woman, an amazing woman, called the Mama Hawa, who was a Somali woman who used to work here, mm -hmm. defending and protecting Somali and African women to be uh, to be mutilated within the Toronto area. So this is this is it's been happening for a long time on the ground in what I like to believe in called a different Toronto because not every Torontonian live in the in the same Toronto that we live and well, yeah there's a lot going on obviously. there's a lot going on a lot of cultural stuff that nobody can prevent no matter how Canadian soil is and um, and uh, that's that's why I wanted to make uh, the story that uh, even though in this case the story has other other connotations about uh, failed dreams from a lot of immigrants from 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 uh, from Africa in this case the Somali guy that wanted to be a photographer so there's a sense of of within the same elegy there's a sense of crime and punishment which is this idea that a lot of people think that you know the American dream or the Canadian dream that they're gonna make money they're gonna have all this success and uh, and what happens to this guy and what is, what is the via cruises that he has to go and how his own life and what happens to him is a reminder that he has to go and save his own daughter in order to protect whatever is the most important thing which is his blood and his life and his daughter and how the paternal love is has to be promoted because i believe that there's there's not a lot of films about the relationship between a daughter and a father because it's always the father and the boy and the mother and the girl uh, and uh, and I strongly believe that uh, in the end father and mothers are spiritual beings and this idea that looking at the father from a female perspective which is the main creator of life is a very powerful statement mm -hmm. 
and something that <clears throat> you know some of these notions that people have as assumptions that bring to light some of the realities that are quote hidden and happening every day in our world though we're not consciously aware of them or we're in denial about them too I think we might be aware yet we want to resist that it's actually happening that is correct why is the word mutilation included amongst those three words rather than for example circumcision as to how things are expressed regarding the male experience is there a purpose I'm assuming that uh, the purpose was originally set up by the un by UNICEF because it's a way of protesting that uh, that is not something that uh, the Western world will approve to a degree. That's why it's a circumcision and not a and not a not a motivation. Well, yeah, but, I mean, you know, we come from the world that words matter. Words can make a difference in terms of how people process and make meaning and understanding from them. Right. So generally. I might perceive mutilation as being, quote, a negative word. Absolutely. And circumcision would be more neutral. Correct. And so there's an intention with the female experience to be a negative one. Right. Rather than, they don't say male uh, genital mutilation. Right. Though I know there are people who are against male circumcision. Yes, I haven't met them, but I'm sure that they are. So is this a, a bias toward... Uh, probably well I'm not sure if if it was intended to be but if you take a look at the weight of the words um, the fact that mutilation is first and then just make to make sure that it has a, a, a deeper punch uh, the next word is genitalia so it's it's really strong in that sense and uh, even though it has been now since everything is an abbreviation now now it's called FGM right but um, but the original intention uh, many, many, many years ago, I'm sure set up by UNICEF was was to um, to a degree oppose because I'm sure that they knew the power of of being because, like you said, it's a negative tone and therefore is a way of protesting something that uh, because to me uh, when when you hear the word um, um, non mutilation but circumcision is is a is it's like they're saying we approve of this yeah. And uh, they're not approving of that. And that's why the UNICEF has had for at least 40 years uh, lots of envoys about trying to fight that because it's so rooted in their cultures. Though well, <coughs> well, how does that come into... Because that's a Western construct, I would say, with these terms. And when right. you say UNICEF, that's a right. Western construct. Right. How does that come into conflict in some way with the reality of what's actually happening in the home countries of many people and when they migrate because um, you have to understand that in their view they're not first of all when you say they who's they they is is the practitioners of these of these um, practices practice yeah. for them is not is not evil <coughs> what they're doing it's like what what men do through in in, in North America and, and, and the mm -hmm. Western world with with our circumcision, they don't see it as something bad or negative or wrong or wrong, right? For them, it's something that uh, it's part of culture. It's a norm. It's a norm. It's a way of proving that this girl is going to be pure to whatever man is going to marry when the time comes. Uh, and uh, so they don't even call it mutilation. They have specific words for that. One of them, which is the most famous one, is goodening. 
which is which in Somali means uh, that uh, practice. But uh, but 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 we live in a world of perceptions, and what we perceive as wrong, they don't perceive as wrong. And now, um, a few years ago, <coughs> I met this filmmaker that was making a, a film about uh, female circumcision in Egypt, and now now they're transferring their intention to sell the idea of mutilating girls as a dogmatic Islamic thing in Egypt, which is even going backwards even more because now they're going to have a justification through Islam and through the Prophet and through all these ideas of purity which are completely um, archaic. And the, re and the whole thing of religion is being, because people don't want to question or challenge religious practice in right. some way. Like, you know, when Jewish people can wear right. the, uh, yarmulke, the yarmulke, they have a right to do that. Right. When Muslim women wear the hijab, yes. they have a right to do so. In some countries, not well, in, well, yeah. in the context of here, Canada. Oh, yes. So, so far. So far, Quebec has was opposed well, to that, including the Yamulka. Anyway. Which is actually, isn't that somewhat similar to what happened in France? Yes, in France, it, in France it's 187 euros if you're wearing a hijab on the streets. It's a secular country. There's no separation of church and state, per se. Completely. That's yes. the sense of construct, of construct right. there. So uh, I'm just wondering, like, are we imposing our Western values or ways of determining things on people who are not necessarily rooted it, in those values? It's a very, very powerful question. It's a super complicated one, complex one, in terms of uh, what the Western has done to other cultures in terms of colonization, that we can be here for days talking about it. But, I <laughs> but I, I think, uh, in the name of dignity for these children, uh, we have at least in Canadian soil, we have to do whatever we can to help uh, to uh, educate these women. Even though I'm sure that most of these women have been invaded by these educational pamphlets for years that they already have already avoided and ignored by their own culture. So it's very rooted in their in their view of what what uh, a little girl is going to be confronted with, even though, because this has been going on for a long time, and to, to try to educate, to remove a tradition, it's, it's, in, it's insanely difficult. Well, how would you see yourself, who's obviously not from culture, right. of someone who practices this, or of the culture that practices this, being someone who's trying to bring this to light, and, you know, somewhat getting to be questioned? Right, well, I'm sure that those questions are going to come when the film is promoted, but, uh, but I think it, in terms of reason and intellectual uh, debate, um, to me, as an artist, when, s when a little girl is going to suffer, the the reasoning stop as a human being as a human being because the compassion has to kick in and say no this is wrong right and um, but it's uh, it's a difficult one because I'm sure that um, um, there will be Muslim intellectuals or or African intellectuals that can debate that tradition without very without very little um, reasoning because I don't think it's reasonable to cut a little girl on the basis of pleasuring a man in the end. Well, yeah, yeah, I, I have uh, issues with that too. I mean, of deferring course. to, uh, you know, that the world evolves through men right. is nonsense to me. Com completely. Anyways, yeah. my mindset is that actually evolves through women. 
Right. Because they're, for me, the, the roots of birth and, Correct. you know, yeah. family. Yeah. Y you know, in the family justice world in Canada, right. they have this concept when they talk about children, the best interests of children or child, so that they ensure that when the two parents who are conflictual, when the relationship is transitioned from being together to now being separates and they have a child together, and they have to continue in some form of connection relationship as co-parents, many times it's, co it's conflictual. It's not always healthy. So the courts are supposed to be there as the monitor to ensure that the, the one who's most vulnerable, who's the child, is somewhat protected much better. Right. You know, the, there was a few years ago where Sharia law was going to be tried to be implemented in Ontario. Right. And that was removed as an option. Right. And so, you know, there, there is a way to define or put in a place of respect the lived experience of people balancing with religion in the broader context of society. Right. Well, uh, my only comment in that uh, is the fact that um, if there are Jewish schools in France and in Canada, why can't we have Muslim schools for only Muslims? Right? That's one option. Then the second, the second thing is that uh, it's very difficult to um, uh, to try to convince or convey a message of Westernization to mm -hmm. someone mm -hmm. who comes from a tribal mentality. And I'm not saying that it's that it's less important or less intelligent, but it's difficult because the tradition has been inroaded in him. Or yeah, and it's from eons and eons of years and decades right. and centuries. Correct. Yes. And to sort of all of a sudden, in some way, because. This these societies are much older than, quote, Western society. Absolutely. And so all of a sudden it's saying, hey, what you've been doing is totally wrong. We're subjecting you with our imposition of our values. Yeah, but when you can, a lot of what happens when you start to take a look at um, female genital mutilation is it gets compared to circumcision in the Jewish um, tradition and I think Muslim tradition as well. And the Catholic as well. Yeah, yeah and um, so then what happens is this kind of blurring of the lines and saying, well, circumcision for males is mutilating uh, men too. Right. But there are very distinct differences in terms of um, the removal of pleasure, in terms of the institutionalizing of virginity, uh, in terms of functionality as well, for it's it's much more severe for for women and also for the purposes of it. And the purpose of it in for males is to um, declare your connection with God. And the purpose of it for females is to make them pure and good enough to be for their husbands. Right. And so it's the functions within the culture that are really important. And the, uh, I just, just from my own point of view, when I was pregnant, I, I wanted to have a girl. Because I thought, cause being Jewish, I thought if I have a boy, I have to circumcise this boy. Because if, he, cause if I have a boy, he's going to be Jewish. That's the expectation if, if yeah. he's a male. And if he's going to be Jewish... I don't want to take away from him the opportunity to really be Jewish and if he decides to carry on with that, that he would have to have this done in adulthood. That is torture. Um, but, but then you have all these kinds of things going on in your head comparing the two practices and it, as you said, it's extremely complex 
And you can't just say, um, oh, it's mutilation in one case and circumcision in another. It's, it, it goes down very, very, very deep. And it's not just with the African people, it's with, with Jewish people too. That is correct. The only difference here, in, in my opinion, is that um, the, uh, the Jewish part of the circumcision has to do with the inner part of his being as a man. And in this case, in the case of the African, is it's a little girl that is going to that that is going to be abused in the service of a man. Yes, which is even less dignifying and less spiritual and more savage, in my opinion. That this little girl will 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 be part or to belong to a man instead of having an inner discourse with herself about God. But in the minds of the people who practice this, what they're doing is they're preserving this little girl, her honor, her purity, her dignity, her identity as a woman, as a woman worthy of, of marriage. Which yeah, yeah but, uh, that's for me. And, you know, I'm obviously I'm Jewish too. So, And fundamental religions, Christianity, Islam, Judaism, they're all male-centric, dominated ones. It's for the benefit of males and men, and some, for the most part. And women are supposed to defer as second class or underlings to the men in service of men. I have concerns with that. So, just because doesn't mean I'm accepting of all the practices within Judaism. How good a Jew am I? Well, that's another story. Nevertheless, I think if we don't raise these topics or subjects or circumstances to the conscious level to have conversation about it to challenge some of these notions we're just you know marginalizing people who may not necessarily have the voice on their own i.e. in this circumstance the young girls who are not getting an opportunity to, to challenge things absolutely and, and as Christopher Hitch Hitchens used to say you know religions poisoned everything right and and uh, this is why religions are um, a men construction mm -hmm. for the men's pleasure. Yeah, and at the expense of a female. Of a everybody, not only females, but everybody. Which, by extension, is a societal issue, a concern, right. yes. as human beings, fundamental. That is correct. I totally, you know, yeah, can't be passionate enough here, because too bad we're not uh, with uh, a visual aspect of the program, okay. that people can see the... Uh, the energy that we can speak with, not only through our words, it's our nonverbal communication that will resonate even more. So, how, how do you know if what you want to do, because you want to create a feature film, is mm -hmm. that how I'll call it? Right. A feature film rather than a documentary Correct. of some form, mm -hmm. that uh, will bring to light, educate and inform in a kind of manner, as a feature film does, mm -hmm. about the particular topic of female genital mutilation. How do you know, how, how do you know this will work? I know that this will work because <coughs> I wrote the script, I created the film, uh, and um, I know that um, uh, humanity has been throughout centuries and centuries understood the power of stories. We can all relate to stories, and we can all relate to struggles, of all kinds of struggles. Uh, and for the past 50 years or more, 
Canada has been had um, a social and the media and sound and visual um, <coughs> recollection of how immigrants and immigration lands in their view. Uh, the purpose and the aim of a film is an artistic um, endeavor more, more than a political one. Uh, the reason why I know it's going to be successful uh, is primarily because it deals with universal love. I know it's it, it's a difficult uh, way, but uh, to um, to say that I'm fully sure, because in in art you can't be fully sure, you know. But I'm sure because I'm assertive and I know what I'm doing, and I trust that the people will 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 have the response based on the experience of feeling the film. And um, every time that I have shown that script to many people from all walks of life, there was non, not, a, not, a, not a negative response. Because it's, in, in the end, it's, it's inspired by humanity. And it doesn't matter if they're black, if they're African, if they're poor, if they're, if they're greedy, if they're ambitious. We're all going to have this moment in life of crime and punishment, which is part of life. So what kind of, uh, what is the message you look to communicate? To the public, the, 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 the main message is yeah. that uh, you have um, that the most important thing is the power of paternal love, and the importance of sometimes life brings you struggles and your aims at having all this lavish lifestyle because you're moving to a first world country can be challenged by the real necessity of your connection to your daughter. Well, the, you know some of the challenges of. Uh, people who migrate is that uh, their expectations of what the, they envision when they quote land and try to integrate rather than assimilate integrate right. is that there's a recognition of their cultural context in combination with the cultural context of the broader society because assimilation for me is more you give up your cultural context right. to the broader one right the only the only difference is it's very hard to do that because it's uh, um, Canada is uh, yes it is multicultural and yes it is welcoming but at the same time it's not an easy culture to uh, to to mingle with uh, and yeah. so and so therefore they start having uh, relationships with with other immigrants or with people from their own country and understanding that um, the Canadian society is not uh, is not that um, open. Mm. You know, and it's not that uh, warm. Some of them are, yes, but not everybody is. And this idea that that for some reason they're entitled to do, to receive those benefits from the government and, and from from the country just because they're immigrant, it's a controversial subject. But at the same time, I think it's important to know that that uh, every every right involves a responsibility, mm -hmm. meaning that you have to prove that uh, if you want to have a right, you have to have uh, a responsibility to that right. Okay. So what can we better learn about people as to what this practice involves and how it can contribute to our broader understanding overall? Well, the main, the main thing is uh, the reaction that I think might happen in terms of uh, the audience, and by the audience I'm talking about Africans and white Canadians and everybody in between, is this idea that, oh, I never knew that this could happen in Canada. Denial? Denial, because we are so privileged. 
and that privilege has layers of of uh, of arrogance, ignorance, and everything in between. Yeah. Right. So that's one thing. And then right. the other part is the tragedy that uh, of 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 the reasons why these things happen within our soil, but why are these things happening? And why do they need to continue to happen? And, and no, but well. You know, the, after Mama Hawa left uh, for to go back to Somalia, there was a Jewish doctor, uh, Dr. Schaefer, that was sort of picking up the the um, the, uh, the commitment, the continuing the commitment yeah. of bringing awareness to all these African communities in Toronto that are uh, more than in need for this because there are new challenges when it comes to that because it's still uh, practice that is very much on the ground. And that uh, that was inspired me to do a recreation of that mutilation on my film. Yeah, I don't, you know. <laughs> you, well, the whole thing is, people sometimes just don't get it unless they're sort of put right in their face. Some kind of. I'm not going to say your movie's going to be shocking. Yet it could be shocking. Yes, but it, shocking can be good. Yeah, that, I, yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. people get what? Oh. Yeah, you said the denial. I didn't realize. Yet, it's not just taking the denial and leaving right. it there. What are we going to do about it? Exactly. Taking an, uh, a conscious effort to somewhat do something about Right. Even... Yes, I, I agree completely with that. The, the dream, obviously, will do not only the... That they have the question themselves. Yeah. What are we going to do? And the goal, the, the goal will be actually doing something, not just questioning. Yeah. Because it's very difficult just to question, and they're not doing anything. That's you know, it's hockey night in Canada, and there's nothing else to do. But no, there is a commitment, or it's their problem. That's not right, not ours. That's right. That's right. Because we're yes. But there's an added part to it where, if we are going to do something about what, if if we being white people is to do something, or people from non the, the particular community, right? Per who se. aren't from that community are trying to do something about that. Isn't that colonialization as well? Isn't that colonizing as well? By imposing our own values and our own cultural mores onto other people. I think it is, but I think in this case, uh, I think it's needed in terms of, because I understand the power of the past, but I also understand the need of the now. And the need of the now in, in relation to the dignity of these little girls is that they need the help now. And they're not going to wait until they become part of an academic book or academic um, story or, or a research or project, a research project by a shelf. U of T or York University mm -hmm. because they need, and I understand completely all these colonizations because I studied them for a long time, but I also believe that, that the, the, the awareness of not doing it, uh, it's... Uh, Are we enabling it? Yes, exactly. So how do we navigate that, that line? between trying to impose our values on another culture and and um, standing up for the dignity of a child. Or, or, or helping to generate positive change in some form. Yeah. We would How do we navigate that? Well, my, my opinion is that they, you can navigate that, sadly, through the pain of them, their pain, meaning when something goes wrong, they're going to have to call the police, they're going to have to call 911, and then try to, because they're not going to go to uh, educational sessions by UFT or by no. any other any other institution, They ha because they're doing this underground. So the only thing that we can sadly hope is that something uh, 
can happen that they will interrupt or stop that cutting the right there. Okay. Right? Joni, I know you got more in your head. There's sure. always more in this Yeah, head. absolutely. And Mikkel. Yes, sir. Any, sir. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get started with that. The sir? Okay. We'll no, get used no, to no. it. I'm not okay. sir. Okay. All right. Any sh thoughts in closing? Any kind of context that you want people to leave as part of the conversation? Well, I just hope that um, that I'm going to be able to make this film and uh, everybody will be invited to see and we can bring that conversation from uh, Meditation Station. Medi mediation. I mediation. Know yeah. Sorry. It's a good concept, meditation. It is. You want people there to be more connected, station. though. You're not the only one. <laughs> yeah, I'm That's sure, me. I'm sure the <laughs> yes. Do you have a name for the movie yet? The movie, yes, of course. The movie, the, the movie is called the Mahdi or Mari, which is the name of the guy. Okay. All right. We got to close out. I really appreciate You're you putting welcome. yourself here front and center in the conversation, and I appreciate the provocation because I'm all about creating positive social change too. So okay. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. You've been listening to Mediation Station on CHHA 1610 AM.